to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. The major theme for this particular episode is I want to describe a lot of the, again, mental and emotional aspects of what's been going on throughout this time and how so far removed from reality countless people are when it comes to what's happening around the world. One of the things that's consistently happening here, again, is the, the truth is smacking a lot of people in the face, and then those individuals aren't even flinching. They're not even feeling the truth. doesn't matter how hard it hits them. Um, it's, 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 not, it's not moving a great deal of people. Now, when I say that, again, I'm not dooming on this. I'm simply saying that I do know that a lot of people, and I've met these individuals who, again, have been jabbed, for example, and they know exactly what's, what's occurring with them. They know that it's jab-related, and there are endless examples of this, and I've played countless audio clips of where that's the case. You, of course, have the other end of the spectrum where there are individuals who have no idea and they're not making the connections. So I want to start with this because this is one of the things that um, occurs from time to time where I'll read the local newspaper, which, by the way, <clears throat> is an absolute abomination of hiding the truth. These newspapers, again, whether they be uh, town, county-wide, tri-county-wide, uh, tri-state-wide, it, it really doesn't matter. They are awful, awful publications. Uh, and this, again, this little clip that I'm going to read here defines it perfectly because they almost go out of their way to insinuate that if anybody thinks that they're dying from the jabs, don't dare think of that. So again, they're doing whatever they can to squash any critical thought or ounce of critical thought that you may have and let the newspaper writer actually be the one to decide for you. So inside of this uh, particular issue here this past Sunday, there was an entire section on education. And a lot of it had to do with um, some administrators locally that were being arrested or placed on leave. It was just really highlighting, uh, again, the sludge from the bottom of the tank and how it's, it's risen to the top here for a number of people to see. Um, however, again, the way that it's written sort of downplays any seriousness in, in these very serious problems. So this particular section in this education section, the title of it reads this, and it's just a very short little clip, but I'm, I'm going to read this because, again, it highlights the larger problem. And it should sound familiar to everybody who's listened to this podcast and certainly sounds familiar to uh, the individuals who have heard me speak publicly. It's titled, Students and Faculty Grieve for the Local Educators Who Died. That's the title. It says, in November, Butler County and surrounding communities lost five teachers unexpectedly, either due to illness or for unannounced reasons. Again, you can't make any of this up. It continues, it says, there are no apparent connections among the deaths of the five classroom instructors before they list where they taught. But, ladies and gentlemen, why would they say that? You see, the proof is in their cover-up. Why would they say, quote, there are no apparent connections among the five deaths of the five classroom instructors? Why would they even say that? Now, we have teachers that die every single year in schools all across America. 
Five died locally where I live. And they're making it a point again to say there's no connection. Well, (laughs) were they murdered? I mean, is that their implication? Well, there was no murderer. There's no serial killer hunting down teachers and killing all of them. I mean, what what is the implication here then? You see, the implication is clearly that they were all jabbed. It's beyond evident. And it gets even more specific and even more strange. It says, quote, who taught at Wilson Middle School in Hamilton, Fairfield High School, Springboro High School, Edgewood City Schools, and a private school in Harrison. What they do all have in common is the sadness they left behind among students and school colleagues, along with the profound grief of their families and close friends. It continues, it says, The four women and one man ranged in age from 36 to 65 and all had strong ties to the Butler and Warren counties. Whatever. It continues, it says, Miami University's Associate Dean for the Graduate School and Professor of Educational Psychology, Amity Noltmeyer, said, quote, The death of a teacher is tragic and can be devastating for all in the school community, including students. And during a pandemic, When students face multiple stressors or challenging circumstances, it can become even more important to connect with them and build their capacity for resilience, unquote. They were killed because of the jabs. They died because they were jabbed. They're telling you, but they're not telling you. It's it's plain, it's plain as day. Why else would they be bringing this up? What else has happened over the course of the last year? And when was the last time you heard of five teachers dying? All in the same vicinity, all in the same county, within a short, within a short time span. It said just in November, just this past November, five teachers died. Now again, I'm not a brain surgeon. I know somebody that was warning people about this a long time ago. The warning probably came a little too late, because by that time, countless people had already been jabbed. But I'll tell you what, the manipulation continues. And again, this is the theme for this entire episode, because I want to play a lot of audio here. I want to play an excellent, uh, at least three clips from an excellent interview between Dr. Joseph Marcola and Dr. Mark McDonald, who is a psychiatrist out in Los Angeles, California, and again is associated with America's Frontline Doctors. Um, it's absolutely incredible. And he goes into the addiction of fear and how the addiction of fear has flat out created a massive civil war across the world, as we all know, and certainly in our country, between individuals who are so brainwashed that they do not want to seek out the truth regarding any of this that's been going on. They're just not interested, and he'll break that down. Again, he clearly says that he'll start to make, or attempt to make, I should say, inroads with a patient that he has by simply asking them how willing they are to learn something new. And if they start to become defensive or they start to ask questions, well, what about? Well, what is it you want me to learn? And blah, blah, blah. Once, once they start doing that, he knows that he needs to back off a little bit because immediately 
they're defensive about the question. They haven't even brought up a specific subject yet. It's just the actual question of, are you willing to learn something new? And again, if a person looks at you and says no, that person cannot be helped. That person is fully gone. They're brainwashed. There's no returning. There's no shaking them up. Um, to bring up another local issue, which again, pr- continues to prove the brainwashing and how serious this is and how this is not going to go away unless, again, these jabbed mentally ill people die. That's the only way that a lot of this goes away. And again, I'm not, I'm not hoping for that. That's not my hope. Anybody listening to this podcast knows that that's not the case. I'm not sitting here crossing my fingers going, please die, please die. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying is, is that these people are so far gone in their COVID delusion and their jab delusion that they're creating policy that's hurting themselves and they don't even know it. And they're creating policy that's hurting the innocent and they don't care. That's a mental illness. That's a serious mental illness, not to mention the side effects of the jabs with spongiformal encephalopathy, mad cow disease, don't help this process. And again, these individuals are never going to be diagnosed appropriately by the same people who jabbed them in the first place. It, it, this is a lose-lose situation. So. Locally, we have a city council here that is made up of Marxists. They're all Marxists, all of them. They're all brainwashed. They're all jabbed. The mayor included. They're criminals, I might add, of the highest order. I mean, they're stupid criminals, but they're criminals. There were a couple of individuals, the mayor and another nitwit. They would go into local restaurants and bars here on this university campus with their cell phones out, taking footage of people who were not wearing their masks, and then they would place it or attempt, I mean, they would place it all over their Facebook pages and all over their their social media, showing and trying to basically dox or expose these individuals as quote-unquote not following the rules. These are the kinds of people that make their way onto city council. These are the kinds of people that people are voting for. They're voting for individuals that, again, vandalize property, put other people up to vandalizing property, shout, demean, uh, slander, libel, anybody that they can who disagrees with them. This is a mental illness. And you add the jab and the COVID nonsense on top of it and the mask wearing, it compounds the issue to, a, to an extent that I can't even comprehend. Which again, there's no, there's no returning to any normal for these people because they are addicted to the fear. They actually think the Omicron thing is deadly, not knowing that the name is probably completely made up. And now I'm seeing more and more reports that it's a white hat operation, that the Omicron stuff is not, is not only not deadly, but it's supposed to, I don't know, the, the, the reports on that are, are all over the place, and I really can't pinpoint uh, and, and be objective enough to actually make a, a singular statement on it. I've heard Dr. Peter McCullough bring up a lot of different things about it. I've read some things online about it. I, you know, I don't know where I stand on it. All I know is, is not, nothing is deadly about it. The only thing that's deadly that anybody is doing here are the jabs, the masks, and the policies that people are rolling down the line here that are that are 
killing countless people. So much so, in fact, again, just to again elaborate on, on what goes on here locally, the moment that the Christmas break came around here, of course, students at the local university here, Miami University, have been gone for quite some time. But there are two observations that can easily be made when anybody is driving around. And I've brought these observations up in the past regarding, in particular, the, the student numbers. First of all, there are countless students in countless colleges and universities all over the nation who are now doing online learning because they are sick and their instructors are sick. They're not going to say that, though, these universities. They're not going to say that the reason that we're going to online learning is because our instructors and, and quote-unquote leadership are ill and can't come back to the classroom. They're just going to blame it on an invisible enemy, and then everybody just drinks that in, and then the student just continues to school themselves at home. But around town locally, there are two massive observations, even with, with students gone. Number one. The town of Oxford, Ohio is an odd town uh, because it's a college town, number one. It's a university town for the most part, but there are homes that exist all over the campus area, basically surrounding the west side of, of, the, of the campus, the west side and south side of the, of the campus and north side of the campus as well, where these homes are up for rent on a year-in, year-out basis, and they fill with university students, not uncommon on countless other university campuses. They live together. They rent out these homes. Now what's happening is this. These homes are for sale. They're for sale now. So students are, are not showing up to this university and renting out homes anymore. There, yes, there are some that are still living here, but they're saying to themselves, wait a minute. Why am I going back to this environment again that's making me do all of these things when I could just be doing this very thing at home? I've brought up that dynamic in the past. It's not a new one, but this is one of the things, again, that's going to continue to happen with every passing month and every passing year is the minds of these young Americans is shifting away from these environments because it is unnatural. It's so natural to be free and independent. It's remarkably unnatural to fall in line, dress the same, behave the same, wear a mask, dehumanize yourself and, the, and those around you as you age. It's it, 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 it defies the reason we were born. The other observation is that immediately among, again, the, these policymakers in town, and I know that these exist lots of other places, in particular, probably in California and, and other places, but <laughs> it's remarkably dumb. There are these igloo-looking things, which I've brought up in the past, and I brought them up last winter, actually, because that was the first time I saw them, and I was shocked as to, as to what they were. But they're these giant igloo things. They're clear. They have a door on the side of them, and they are sitting on top of picnic benches. So you can't eat inside of a restaurant. But you can eat with multiple people at a picnic bench in an enclosed, clear, wind-breaking igloo thing. And it's, again, I mean, who, who really knows the motive behind it other than it's stupid? It's, it's just sheer stupidity that someone would look at that and say to themselves, yes, this is normal. This is the way that we should eat 
This is exactly what we should do. We can't eat inside of this, but we can eat inside of this. It makes absolutely no sense. So there you have it. Um, it again, it falls. This particular first piece of audio that I want to play here falls in line again with the manipulation that is taking place, and now it's happening so much so, in fact, that they're even admitting that they're manipulating particular things to push through what it is that they want to accomplish. This first headline here: New York Health Commissioner admits using higher child COVID hospitalization numbers to motivate parents into vaccinating their kids. And it says this, uh, on Friday, the New York City Health Commissioner admitted to using overblown claims about child COVID-19 hospitalizations to scare parents into vaccinating their kids. So here is Dr. Mary Bassett and what she said at this press conference. We gave on pediatric admissions weren't intended to make it seem that children were having um, you know, having a, uh, uh, an epidemic of infection. These were small numbers that we reported in our health alert. Uh, there, that was based on 50 hospitalizations, and I've now given you some larger numbers, but they're still uh, small numbers. It really is to motivate pediatricians and families to seek the protection of vaccination. Again, at this point, how can any human being who isn't brainwashed, blackmailed, paid off, what have you, makes such a statement. Because again, now they're openly admitting that they're lying and that they're lying for the purpose of manipulating people. Again, the, 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 the local city council here is doing the exact same thing. And it's happening in towns and cities, as we know, all over the place. They're doing the exact same thing. They're continuing to encourage people to get shots if they haven't and to get boosted if they haven't been. They're advocating for their own death and the death of everybody around them. I mean, they fell for their own trick. And this is why, again, this, is, this has to be, again, well, it is. It's not a has to. It is. This is the work of Satan. See, Satan does not care the death toll or who dies. They are not interested in that. They just want numbers, and they want high numbers. It's not about one side or the other being jabbed or not. It's not about left or right. This isn't Democrat or Republican. This is life and death. That's what this is really about here. And the easiest ones, of course, that are falling for this are the individuals who are, as we've brought up here on countless occasions, soaking in the CIA propaganda on their televisions on a day-in and day-out basis. Again, you can't escape these commercials either. The commercials that exist on the radio, which I've mentioned in the past, are absolutely horrible. I mean, they are, you listen to iHeartRadio, even these conservative quote-unquote uh, you know, shows that are on, like Ken Matthews, for example. Ken Matthews, I brought him up numerous times, you know, he goes for the throat uh, regarding the jab and the mask and the, and the uh, totalitarian policies. But as soon as it goes to a commercial break, and I know he's not in charge of this, but the radio station and the, the, the syndicated owner of all of these radio stations, I want to say it's Cumulus if I'm not saying that uh, improperly, but they're, they're the ones, again, that are being paid by these organizations 
and these uh, drug manufacturers like Pfizer to play their ads. Well, that's what you hear throughout the entire radio show ad or the, you know, the, the commercial ad. Um, and, and they're even taking a very interesting approach with those radio ads too. What they're doing is, like with a lot of these ads, is you'll watch or listen to, even on TV, but you'll watch or listen to the entire ad, and it's at the very end of the commercial where you actually figure out that it has to do something with these quote-unquote vaccines. I mean, that's the, that's the really tricky and deceptive part. It's blatantly obvious to us, but then they hit everybody over the head with a hammer at the end and say, you know, make sure and get your vaccine. It's the safest thing for children and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, brought to you by Pfizer. And then that's, that's the end of the commercial. That, again, is continuing to inject endless fear into countless people because they are completely, I don't want to say immune, that's the wrong word. They, com- they completely deflect from any ounce of rational thought or critical thinking or, or taking in another angle. They'll never even get to, I mean, these people who have, who have experienced most of this, m- many of them will never ever get to the stage where they actually realize that this is a depopulation program. And as Dr. McDonald is going to explain later, he says you can't help these people. There's no amount of, of research you can send them. There's no amount of video that they can watch. They have made up their minds, and their minds are now gone. And that's, that's just it. So, again, not dooming, but what I am saying is, is that in 2022, I don't think that we can expect in particular, these jabbed politicians, although most aren't jabbed, but certainly they are at the local level. We have to keep watching their moves and what they're doing because I don't think they're going to make more sense as they age. As time goes on, these, these double, triple, quadruple jabbed people are not going to be making saner decisions as, as we move along here. They're going to get worse, and that's going to happen again at the local level wherever you live. And that's going to be, again, something that people need to keep an eye on because it's war. And these are one of the things, again, that we need to pay attention to as, uh, as clear, sane, thinking people in a time of war. So I want to get into, again, just a couple other headlines here before I get into the audio from um, the Mercola interview, which, again, is absolutely fantastic. Um, but here's another one. This comes from National News. And it's titled, Radiologist Reports a 360-Fold Increase in Adenopathy Following COVID Vaccinations. It says, an anonymous radiologist reports a shocking observation in 2021. This radiologist has witnessed a 360-fold increase in unexplained adenopathy following COVID-19 vaccinations. Adenopathy is a medical term for swollen glands or swollen lymph nodes. Adenopathy is not a specific disease, but it's an important symptom for some underlying condition. Doctors may not be adequately trained to identify when vaccines are the cause of adenopathy. The radiologist is speaking out with anonymity because he fears he will lose his job for reporting these vaccination-related observations. In his practice, the radiologist sees about one case of unexplained adenopathy every six months. However, once the COVID-19 vaccinations were rolled out, the radiologist has seen two to three cases of unexplained adenopathy per day. This is a 360-fold increase of rare condition, of a rare condition. 
and this is his most conservative estimate. So again, not um, you know not dooming. Just looking at the facts that of again, of course, those that are addicted to fear are not looking at, and which is exactly why we have to keep looking at this, and we have to be. We have to be crystal clear water here and be able to see things as objectively as humanly possible. Here's another one. Dailyexpose.uk. I love the expose. It's a, it's a great, great news outlet. I highly recommend checking out their website. It's titled, Official German Government Data Suggests the Fully Vaccinated Will Develop Acquired Immunodeficiency Syndrome by the End of January of 2022. Uh, it says the German government... F- COVID-19 figures are produced by the Robert Koch Institute. Lots of tables here, lots of charts, but I want to read the last section of this here below the charts here. And again, it says the unvaccinated, uh, that their immune response is is firing properly, whereas the fully vaccinated um, among the UK population and the fully vaccinated among the German population is hovering around 19 to 12%. Says the vaccination, the vaccinated fare uh, fare so badly against Omicron because vaccine-induced antibodies against the Wuhan alpha spike protein are next to useless against Omicron. So the underlying progressive immune system damage wrought with incessant spike protein production has almost nothing to hide behind, nothing to offset itself against. We therefore see in these figures a much closer estimate of how much damage has been done by the vaccinated people than we were able to see with the Delta figures for cases in the vaccinated and unvaccinated. The UK has 69.45% double or triple vaccinated, 6.41% singly vaccinated, and 24.14% unvaccinated. So says the Our World India data. I'm saying that correctly. Our, our world in data. There we go. Then says, so we will be doing very slightly worse than the Germans, having slightly more vaccination victims. By the end of January, every fully vaccinated person in both countries over 30 years old will have full-blown vaccine-mediated AIDS. However, much of the immune system that is presently left with the ability to fight Omicron will have gone. It's oddly written for some reason, but I don't know. Maybe that's just the way they write. Um, It continues and wraps up, and it says, This will cause a massive burden on the health services of both countries and massive pain, suffering, and death, all of which will be uh, inflicted upon us by a corrupted healthcare system. It then says, We have the figures thanks to the tireless industry accuracy and efficiency of the Germans, but I have no words in English to describe the immorality of the crooks involved in this vaccination program. Unquote. So there you go. That, that's, that's, the end of, um, that's the end of that one. Now I want to get into the, the, the audio here from Dr. McDonald. I want to read the story at a glance from. Mercola's website here. Again, it's articles.mercola.com and it's titled How to Break Free of Fear Addiction. And I want to basically dedicate sort of the rest of this episode to this. And then there's one particular anonymous post again that I want to read at the end from greatawakening.win, which I think, again, just continues to highlight what's going on here. The story to glance from this article says the following It says, In his book, United States of Fear, Psychiatrist Mark McDonald diagnoses the U.S. as suffering from mass delusional psychosis driven by an irrational fear of what is now a rather innocuous virus. 
The next one says, the fearful overreaction didn't have its origin in what happened in 2020. Government, corporations, and powerful individuals have engaged in a systematic grooming effort toward irrational fear addiction for decades. Without fear, they cannot rob us of our freedoms. The underlying motivation of this psychological campaign has been an attack on the core structures, foundations, and institutions of society in order to nurture a sense of dependency on government. To overcome their addiction to fear, a person must still have a sense of curiosity and be willing to look at new information. If they are not, they're not, ter- they're not treatable and cannot be stopped from trading their and our freedom for a false sense of security. So the key is finding those who are still open and receptive to new information so that we can reach a tipping point where there are more fearless people than fear-addicted ones. Okay, so I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to jump right into this and just start playing the audio from this. Um, I'm going to kick it off here at about the 16 minute. It's going to run for at least five minutes. I'll dip in after that particular timestamp, make a few comments, and then I'll play the next uh, time allotted stamp that I've got here, make a few comments, and so on and so on. I'm not going to play the entire thing, of course, because it runs well over an hour, but I will link the URL uh, web address in the description of this podcast, and I highly recommend giving the entire thing uh, a listen. It, It really is fantastic. So, the first voice you're going to hear is going to be Dr. Mercola, and then again, you'll hear Dr. McDonald right after him. So here we go. It's interesting. I didn't realize that was the motivation for writing your book, but essentially there's three groups. Those who are literally brainwashed, they've been hypnotized by the propaganda. Those who are absolutely not brainwashed and know what a fraud this is. And then this middle group. So I'm wondering, and, and the book, uh, as you just stated, is targeted towards the middle group. How, right. What percentage of the population do you think you would assign to each of those groups? Well, taking out the very, very small group, which I don't address in, in the book explicitly because they're beyond hope, which are those who are actually creating and perpetuating the evil. Uh, mm-hmm. Those people are, are not looking to be informed and they're not yeah. even uh, going to be deprogrammed because they're actually quite... Uh, conscious of what they're doing. Um, they are not, um, they are not misled. They are, they are either sociopathic or truly evil or, or a combination of the two. So putting that, those people aside, it's a very small number. My experience, and it could be a bit skewed because I live in Los Angeles where mm-hmm. uh, people have been walking around outside alone, jogging, biking with masks on from the very beginning of this nonsense. I would say that about uh, in in Los Angeles City, uh, I believe that about eighty uh, percent of the population uh, is not clearly thinking. Twenty percent, maybe maybe a bit fewer than twenty percent are of the eighty percent that are not thinking clearly. The ones that are are terrified. I would say that uh, at the beginning, probably three quarters of them were were completely brainwashed. Uh, only about a quarter were uh, open to rethinking or curious. It has shifted. Uh, I would say that in the last month, I'm seeing um, closer to a 50-50 split now. Wow, that's encouraging. 50-50. I, I am encouraged. I, I actually was, you know, when I scheduled this uh, conversation with you, I was feeling really pessimistic. But just in the last few weeks, I think I've started to feel more optimistic, even here in Los Angeles, that starting in uh, 2022, we're going to see a tipping point where we're going to go beyond the 50-50 and more than half 
more than half of the people who have been buying into this, who have been fooled, essentially, um, are going to start pushing back. Now, it may not be forcefully, not certainly as forcefully as we have, but they're going to be open and available to joining forces with those that do. And I think that's very encouraging because once you hit a tipping point, then you can start seeing movement towards really helping the people who are, um, as you say, and I think it's true, uh, actually brainwashed and are simply Mm -hmm. currently not open. They are not curious. This is how I determine the the difference between the two groups. This is my my little diagnostic uh, technique. Does the person express curiosity Mm. to know something different than what he or she knows right now? If the answer is no, I don't even go further with that person in conversation. It's absolutely pointless. It's like telling somebody in motivational interviewing when we studied in medicine who's a smoker. Mm -hmm. Do you want to know what the smoking and the tobacco and the nicotine and all of the uh, toxins toxicants does to your body. If the person says, no, I don't, I actually feel great with smoking. I have no problems with it. Don't lecture that person. It's a waste of your time. It's going to create more of a defensive posture. If the person says to you, you know, I've been smoking for 20 years. I used to love it. I'm starting to think that this cough is really getting to me. Now you have an in. There's curiosity. And now you can start to educate that person on the right way to move forward. But you have to have the curiosity. Without that, there's really no point. Are there, that's great. I didn't really appreciate the curiosity element of the of diagnostic differential tool. So what are some of the tips that you uh, have used to find out if there's curiosity present in the 80% who are appear here demonstrate a lack of critical thinking skills it's really not that complicated uh first i have to assess whether the person is uh, emotionally present a lot of people are so utterly terrified that they're paralyzed Mm. the, the purpose of in my view uh perpetuating this pandemic of fear uh, it's not a medical pandemic. I mean, the consequences are certainly, but initially it's not medical whatsoever. It's psychological. The reason why fear is used is that it paralyzes rational thinking. Um, it, it, it People who are terrified, people who are in a state of fear, a perpetual fear, which is kind of what trauma is essentially, you're just constantly in a, a fear mode now of something that that may have happened in the past or that you believe has happened. The reason for that is to keep people from being able to be curious, to be able to use their mind. So if somebody is is actually paralyzed with fear, and I can sense that you seem really scared. Can you tell me how you're feeling? I'm absolutely terrified. I can't leave my house. There's really not much that I can do because I know that I won't be able to even uh, open up that door for curiosity. But if I just sense anxiety, I just sense discomfort, worry, maybe worry about someone else as opposed to oneself, like their son, their daughter, their their, their grandmother. That's when I start to ask very simple questions. Well, what is it that you understand about what's happening? And then I get a sense of whether this person is conflicted, whether this person has ambivalence. Ambivalence is another word that we used to use in motivational interviewing. Assess for ambivalence. Is the person trying to hold two different opposing positions at the same time? Because that leads to a resolution. Mm -hmm. If there's no ambivalence at all and there's no curiosity, I don't really know where you start. So I'll ask that question. What is it that you understand right now about what's happening? And if I sense some ambivalence, if I sense some lack of of, of confidence, Mm -hmm. then I'll ask a follow-up question. I'll say, are you... Are you curious or are you interested in learning about some other information or some other viewpoints that you might not be aware of right now? 
And often, if I've got to that point, the person will say tentatively, yeah, maybe. If I get, on the other hand, absolutely not, or a challenging question, more of a condemnation. Oh, wait a minute. What do you mean? Are you one of those, those anti-vaxxer hoaxers? Then I, I know I'm probably not going to really proceed very, very, very well, very successfully. So I just, I just let up, I back off, and then I, I test the person out the next time and see if something's changed. The same way I would with a, with a, a person who's addicted to tobacco. If someone's addicted to fear, I just have to wait and see if they're, they're open and willing and ready to lose their addiction. And this right here, ladies and gentlemen, is why we cannot consistently send information anymore. I mean, we could try, I suppose, but we can't send consistent information to school board members anymore. Um, administrators, they're, they're just too far gone. The same is true, I think, with city council members XYZ. I wouldn't ever discredit someone's interest or motivation in doing so. They certainly can do it if they'd like. But he just laid out, Dr. McDonald just laid out clearly why these individuals cannot be helped. And they can't be helped because they have sociopathic tendencies or they are just flat out evil. And those individuals cannot ever look at an opposing viewpoint that contradicts the very points that they themselves have believed this entire time. They're never going to ever admit any wrongdoing because, again, we have countless individuals that equate the mask wearing with lower case numbers of something that is inaccurately tested for. All of that information is already out now. Again, the, the whole business of the FDA recall on all of these tests was was initiated last summer. And now, of course, they're all fraudulent, but they're continuing to be used. That right there is why these individuals are mentally ill and cannot be helped, which again falls perfectly in line with why these environments, K-12 schools, universities, etc., are the most unhealthy environments that exist. Again, we're not talking about curriculum here. We're talking about the, the mind of the individual who's delivering the curriculum. If their mind is gone because of everything here that they're believing in society to be true when it is fact not, that, that it doesn't get any more unhealthy than that. So I'm going to fast forward here. Uh, here's the next particular segment. And again, he brings up a number of other different issues as to why people are behaving the way that they are, in particular among youth and um, what, what, what is causing these individuals to believe what they're believing. Well, I'm going to put all of this together in another book that I'm going to actually start to write uh, in the next few weeks. Um, some of the ideas or, or treatment recommendations that I've come up with have grown out of a, a, a consolidation and evolution of my viewpoints in the last couple of years about um, which groups of people are amenable to treatment and which are not. And making it, it very simply put, and then you introduced this earlier. There's a group that are completely brainwashed mm -hmm. and a group that are simply scared, but they'd like to not be scared. The brainwashed group, um, in the same way that we would treat a cult, cannot be treated voluntarily. I cannot provide information, education, counseling, or even a book for them because they will not listen. They will not read it. They don't want to because I am an enemy. You are an enemy. Anybody that provides truth, and hope and information 
is the enemy. The only ally that they have is the guru. Just as a cult is closed off, locked away, their family members completely separated from them, their physical surroundings uh, completely closed off and isolated. And the only person that they believe has their back is the man sitting in the, in the tall chair with the shaved head in the robe up in the front of the room. These people will only listen to and take commands from Anthony Fauci, from Joe Biden, from uh, Don Lamont, people in media, people in politics, people in, um, in bureaucratic government. And nothing will change their mind. Absolutely nothing. As you said, they could see people dying around them, their own parents, their own children, and they would still go take another shot. Mm -hmm. They are lost unless and until they are physically removed or kidnapped, essentially, in the way that you would with a cult to a remote location where they can be deprogrammed. And I am not in that business. So that's not the group that I'm speaking to. It doesn't work in a triage situation because we've got way too many of those individuals. That's exactly the problem. You know, I'm an individual therapist. I can work with one person at a time. I can't work with 100 million people. Let's say it's not 100 million. Let's say it's 20 million. It's still. No, it's closer to 100 than it is to 20. (laughs) (laughs) No question. At least. Whatever the number is, it's far more than we have individual treaters for. We we know that. So I'm not speaking to that group. I have to be realistic. As you said earlier, we have to be um, practical and efficient with how we use our time. We, we don't want to preach to the choir, uh, but we also don't want to try to uh, go after people who, as I said earlier, are so closed off, lacking curiosity, utterly brainwashed. They're not going to listen. It's useless. It's pointless. So that leaves the other group, which is the, the open-minded, maybe scared, maybe anxious, curious group. I would call these people uh, the, the fear addicts who want to lose their addiction. It's like the alcoholic who says, you know, I am kind of curious about that AA meeting at the church I walk by every day on my way back home from work. I, when does it start? You know, what, what do I need to bring? How do I sign up? Those are the people that I want to reach out to with the next book. So the paradigm really is, is a 12-step program to overcoming fear on an individual and national level. And the first step, as we all know with the AA program, is that we have to admit that we have an addiction. The individual has to admit that he or she is addicted to fear. Because without losing the fear, those people are not going to move forward. Fear is the obstacle to being able to think and act rationally. So the fear has to be overcome. But in order to overcome fear, you have to admit that you're addicted to it, that this is not something that you want to hold on to. I am fearful. Yes, I am. I admit it. Hi, my name is Mark, and I'm a fear addict. And therefore, I want to overcome it. I want to release it. I don't know how yet, but I definitely want to do it. That is my goal. That is my motivation. That's why I'm here at the meeting. That's why I'm reading Dr. McDonald's book, because I want to overcome fear. Tell me how to do that. That's the first step. That's the very, very first step is acknowledging that you are addicted to fear and that you want to overcome it. And then from there, there's other things that you can do. One of them, which I don't think anyone has really talked about much, is you need to embrace humor. Humor is what allows us to have a perspective. Without a perspective, we're like um, uh, 
you know, a sailor looking through uh, a monoscope. Everything is just focused on one little target off in the distance. We lose everything around us. We lose our our, our context. Uh, we're unable to assign um, value and priority to things. Everything becomes about cases, death, cases, death, shots, masks. The only way, well, I shouldn't say the only way, one of the best ways to step away from that is to actually develop humor and to embrace it and to start to laugh again, to tell jokes, to see the lighter side of our time here. We're, we're not here um, just to exist. We're here to live. We're here to live fully. We're here to, we're here to live a full life, not a long life. Now, hopefully it'll be long too, but I would much rather live the short full life than a long one devoid of meaning. This again, I think, perfectly shows why the left can't meme. You know, for, for those of us that love memes and have learned from memes, uh, and a meme is almost a invitation to enter an unknown building so that you can learn more about a specified subject. It's it's um it's a it's like a pamphlet. It's like being handed a card on the street and it says, oh, by the way, read what's on the card. And then if you're interested in learning more, just walk right into this building and you'll learn more. A lot of people who, again, read memes, learn more after reading the meme or, or looking at the meme or even laughing at the meme. Because again, the individuals who have been behind memes know full well that a sense of humor is a learning tool. And having a sense of humor causes a lot of individuals to learn. And that's important. Unfortunately, these policymakers, these double-jabbed mask wearers, have no sense of humor. That's the part of it where if you bring up this subject and you start joking about the very thing for which they're guilty of, they take offense to it. Now, they aren't taking offense to it, again, because they've participated in it, but they can't see the funny part in it. They're incapable of seeing from another angle. Whatever angle that is, it could be the very opposite angle, but they're incapable of seeing how ridiculous they actually look in the display of their own behaviors. Again, these are the people that think that hanging these masks from their rearview mirror inside of their car is accomplishing something. That if it were an actual pandemic with an airborne illness of some kind, there's no way you'd do that. That's number one. Number two, we know that that very practice of hanging a mask in the rearview mirror of something is a, um, it's a virtue signal to countless individuals. Oh, don't worry, I have my mask just in case I need to go into someplace. I can rip it off of the mirror, you know, like a pair of fuzzy dice in my 55 Chevy Bel Air. And then I can, you know, just walk into a local grocery store and I'm 100% fine. They're not fuzzy dice. Again, this is it's, it's ridiculous. It's just the it's the it's the consistent mind manipulation that is taking place, and how these people really cannot be. Uh, you can't reason with these individuals unless, of course, the individual is is a curious individual. But again, many curious individuals decided long ago to never take these jabs because their curiosity peaked the moment that all of these people started showing up. On TV during those, um, you know, those uh, whatever the hell they called them, the coronavirus uh, task force meetings that they would have, you know, in the press room of, of the White House all of the time. I knew why all of those people were there. 
my curiosity led me to that answer, and it was because, for the very first time, these enemies of the state were being thrust to the forefront for us to see on purpose, which means, given the fact that they are the enemy of the state, in their individual and collective capacity, whatever it is that they're telling us to do, we should do the exact opposite. If they're saying distance, we shouldn't. They're saying wear a mask, don't. If they push a jab or a shot or multiple shots, don't take them. That's what the curious mind would really arrive at if a person was curious. But again, I think he lays it out perfectly that it's the lack of the curious mind that is, that is the larger problem here. That's the real pandemic, and he hits the nail right on the head. In this next clip, what he does, and this will be the last clip I'll play, is he describes again sort of the social nature of youth and how there's really a lack of reading books and um, the quote-unquote information acquisition is solely coming from just a few places. They think, you know, the 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 lack of, of curiosity among individuals is, is going to believe that all of these different outlets is quote-unquote diversity, but it's of course not. It's the same voice, it's just a different sign or a different company that's that that's pushing the message but it's all the exact same because they're all interconnected in the propaganda game so uh and we just you know i think was it ben franklin that says if uh i forgot the quote but if you don't if eternal vigilance is the is the price of liberty of or some, something to that effect where if you if you're not per- persistently seeking to guard it you're going to lose it Lost in one generation, you can lose it in one generation if that generation is uh, inured to history. Mm-hmm. And we see it, I see it in my young patients, my adolescent and young adult patients. They don't even, not only have they not fought in a war, they haven't even studied war. Mm-hmm. They don't know what war is. They think war is about fighting racism. I mean, that's <laughs> their idea of what, you know, and, and then the war, the war on women. I mean, they're they're all they're all they're all about that. We've got we've got to we've got to join in that war to to stop the war on women. But an actual war, they have no clue. Uh, they spend their time on their phones, uh, getting food delivered. Uh, they do all of their work through Zoom. Um, they uh, they they live essentially in an actual physical bubble inside of their apartment, um, and they don't read. Uh, they get all of their information through a phone, which, of course, is fed to them by Yahoo News and Apple News and Google and Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and TikTok. That is all the information that they get. 100%. They don't travel. I'm not exaggerating. You know, some people that, that talk to me say, oh, it's, it's not really like that with the younger generation. Oh, it is. Trust me, it is. Certainly in the urban areas. Now, I'm, I'm not speaking about the Midwest and, and suburbs, but in, you go to an urban center, this is the way that they live. So this generation, if this generation does not um, become educated, either through formal education or through sort of personal experience talking with people, as I said, having conversations with others who've lived through this, this kind of horror, uh, we will lose our liberty because they will not defend it. They do not believe in liberty. They really don't. Uh, they believe that socialism is about being sociable. They literally believe that. And they are willing to give up 
anything, including the right to their own bodily integrity, unless, of course, it has to do with abortion, in which case we can't give that up. But anything other than abortion, they they believe that the state has every right to tell them what to do with their bodies. One hundred percent. So this is going to be a lost cause unless this generation either wakes up or gets figuratively smashed over the face with a frying pan, realizing what they're about to lose. And I agree with them. I, I really agree with them 100%. I also think that that's where this phrase gets manipulated too for not good reasons. I mean, it's, it's manipulated in the negative, but the phrase artificial intelligence. You know, the cell phone creates artificial intelligence in the human being. It leads the human being into believing that they are intelligent when in fact, by holding a cell phone, doesn't make a person intelligent. And again, we don't know what every individual is reading or looking at or connecting dots and finding themes and trends and trying to arrive again at that singular pinpoint objective truth. It just provides an individual with a lot of artificial intelligence. They believe they are intelligent when in fact they are not, but the device is leading them to believe that they are. And again, a lot of these school environments do the exact, the exact same thing. Congratulations, you've graduated. Here's your piece of paper. You're artificially intelligent now. You see, such environments cannot gauge intelligence. Their very actions within K-12 and university environments over the last two years have proven that that's the case. They cannot measure intelligence because it's actually the intelligent individual that is running away from these environments. They're not falling for the coercion. When you're not following for coercion, you are intelligent. You're, You're making, at the very least, you're making an intelligent decision. Whereas individuals are still lining up to this day, as we know, because there's endless video footage of it, to take faulty tests. Well, I have to get one for work, or I have to get one for this. Right? They're faulty. Go home and rub it on your drywall. It'll, it'll create the exact same result. And people are doing that, I might add. So one last example here, just to um, further describe the cognitive dissonance that's taking place here, again, and the inability to clearly connect the dots, in particular among a lot of these medical professionals. Uh, this anonymous post says this. It's titled, As If You hadn't he- Haven't Heard Enough About the Death Jab Side Effects. It says the following. Uh, quote, sister is a registered nurse. Just found out today that a second registered nurse friend of hers is in big trouble after receiving the poison death jab booster. The first friend died last year after the initial clot shot, got dizzy immediately, fell to the floor, turned blue, and ended up coding three times, which they revived her, but after the third, said she had an underlying heart issue and wouldn't, rece- and wouldn't revive her again. She was a healthy 33-year-old. Second friend went in for the booster. After receiving it, immediately dizzy, then headache. Headache grew in intensity. She looked up her symptoms and figured out what it was. She went to the ER three times and was given all manner of bullshit. Quote, it's not the vax, it's not the vax, doublespeak, quote unquote. One time, they said it could be her hormone issue. Maybe it was female problems. Another time, it wasn't COVID. So get over it and go home, etc. 
She said, look, I know what it is. I know what this is. It's encephalitis. ER doctor says, no, that's very rare. No way, etc." She's sent home. Her husband calls her from work to check on her. She says, I'm really feeling bad. He says, I'm coming home now to get you. When he gets home, he finds her on her bed, non-responsive. She had pissed herself and puked on herself as well. She's in the hospital right now in a coma. New ER doctor says, yeah, it's encephalitis. Yeah, that's rare, and he'd only seen two his entire career. Says the death jab triggered her immune response, in which she ended up with a fever, etc., which basically cooked her effing brain. So they want to take a brain biopsy and a spine biopsy. She'll probably never wake up. Oh yeah, the doc says if she does, they have no idea what kind of condition she'll be in. Thought you guys should know. Unquote. Again, endless doctors still aren't making the connections here. I don't think this is going to go away. I, I think that the inability for them to think logically about what they're seeing. And we know that, however, it is happening. And I've read those, those anecdotal reports on here before, that there are doctors and nurses who know exactly what's going on. They know that it's the shots. They, they know what's occurring. I just don't see, again, with, with school coming back here in the next week to two weeks, and I know that it's being delayed for many universities again, because, again, a lot of them are going back to online learning. but. I, I don't see this getting better. I, 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 I pray that the mass exodus continues as, as every passing day just continues to roll out here. But um, where I live, I can tell you they are going to reimpose the mask, the mask wearing. That's one of the things that just is not going to go away. The, the positive aspect of this, though, is this. And it, it, it stretches back to what Dr. McDonald was talking about. Even among the brainwashed, you will still have a segment of them that are curious. And one of the things that we're starting to witness here is we're starting to watch the brainwashed eat each other. They're now arguing with one another. They're now saying to one another, hey, look, I was all for this to begin with, but now it's starting to basically go stale. It's starting to run its course. Them simply saying that is a bit of a breakthrough. But them simply saying that also highlights the fact that it doesn't even need to be around anymore. That this mask wearing and jab push and whatever. Because I don't know a single person at this stage of the game who is unjabbed who would now go get them. I don't know a single person. I think that the, the jab numbers for individuals who are unjabbed to, to actually being jabbed is zero. I think that the unjabbed are going to remain unjabbed forever. And then you have that segment in the middle that is double jabbed, sick, and they actually believe again that they're sick because they haven't been boosted or maybe they didn't get their flu shot. You can't help those people. You just can't. So we got to keep an eye on this again because the social dynamics of what are going to take place here this year, I think, are, are going to continue to be revealing. So there you have it. I will link the web address to that interview in the description below, and I'll catch you on Wednesday, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless. <laughs>